Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Anita Marks with you on this Sunday Funday. Hopefully you've got your strawberries and cream. The men's gentlemen's championship at uh, Wimbledon is not disappointing at all. Djokovic came out, won the first set 6-1. The second set all tied up at 6. They're a tiebreaker all tied up at 6. This is going to be epic, and I have no doubt it's going to go all five sets. Well, very little doubt. How about that? Uh, Without further ado, again, really excited to be filling in with Alan Hahn for Alan Hahn with Bart Scott this week. We had Bill Barnwell. Uh, I know not a uh, Jets fans are not a huge fan of his, um, but he did join Bart and I earlier this week talking about Saquon Barkley as well as the Jets. Uh, Bart and I, our first question for him is, what is the latest uh, that he knows in regard to Saquon Barkley and the Giants and their negotiations? Yeah, by all accounts, I mean, I'm talking to people and, and certainly seeing you know what our reporting is at ESPN right now, all accounts are that Saquon's not getting what he wants. And you can understand why. I mean, Saquon Barkley... He's looking at a running back market where the top of the market is Christian McCaffrey at $16 million per year. He said he doesn't want to hit that number, but you got to figure, ideally for him, he's looking at something close to that figure. And from the Giants' perspective, they can go out and franchise Saquon Barkley in 2023 and 2024, go year to year with no long-term commitment at a position where long-term commitments have not typically worked out very well and pay him an average of $11 million per year. So, that gap is significant, and that gap is going to be tough for them to overcome. So unless one of these two sides blinks, either the Giants get desperate and feel like they need to have a, a running back in place who's well-known and well-regarded for Daniel Jones, who's making $42 million a year over the next couple of years, or Saquon decides to take less than what he perhaps rightly perceives his market value to be because it's what he can offer from the franchise tag, I think these two sides are probably going to end up playing 2023 out on attack who's who's in charge of this call is this something that Merrill Tish could veto um, understanding that you know they believe in Saquon they value Saquon and I believe Saquon has more value with the Giants than any other organization because he's a homegrown product one of the very mm-hmm. you know few good things that get him and does any concern that maybe they <laughs> may get involved or is this a Joe Shane decision exclusively the only thing I would say is that if they were going to get involved, I would imagine they would have got involved already. Like, I don't, I don't know why they would have been waiting until the last possible second to get involved. They could have been a deal with Saquon Barkley if they were going to get involved in March, in April, May, June, appear in July. So, you know, I, I, I certainly think they could. And, that, and, you know, that happens in the NFL. Owners do get involved. And, you know, if they want to kick in a few million dollars to get a deal done, even if their GM doesn't necessarily love the value, that does happen. But it doesn't feel like that's the case. It feels like the Giants have a pretty strong, firm idea of what they think the running back market looks like. But I agree with you. To your point, Bart, like, Saquon Barkley is very valuable to the New York Giants. When you look at go to a Giants game, you look who's in the stands, it's people wearing Barkley jerseys, more so than Daniel Jones jerseys. And I do believe that when you pay Daniel Jones $42 million a year over the next couple of years, 
and you don't necessarily have a great receiving core on paper for him, Saquon Barkley becomes even more valuable. So I think from the Giants' perspective, the one thing that might lead them to change their mind is just thinking, hey, you know, can we really get the most out of Daniel Jones, who we're paying to be a star quarterback, if we don't have Saquon Barkley as one of those pieces around him? Bill Barnwell joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Here's the thing, Bill. I actually feel th- this is going to be the best um, talented core that Daniel Jones will be working with this season than he has before. I'm, I'm really excited to see how uh, Brian Dable is going to utilize Darren Waller. I don't think he's going to be your prototypical tight end. I think he's going to put him in the X, the Y, the Z. I think he's going to put him all over the place. Mm-hmm. I've heard good things from Paris Campbell. Uh, love the, the the Jalen Hyatt draft pick for the Giants. Um, and, and there's and there are there is other talent on this roster that unfortunately was injured last year, so I think that's interesting. I, I guess my question to you is, how much power? Because everything, every everyone that I, I have spoken to who's got their finger on the pulse of the situation says Giants have all the power. I don't know what Saquon Barkley's mm-hmm. thinking. So since the Giants do have all the power, what is what is Saquon Barkley thinking? Because he he certainly if he doesn't play this season, it's not like it's a it's a year that goes away. It just get it just gets re up next season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think he's hoping we sort of see the scenario Bart's alluding to, where ownership does get involved and they say, "Hey, you know, we, we want to do right by this guy who, you know, was a guy we drafted in the first round who has been, when healthy, been a really valuable player for our organization." Um, I, I think that's his only real leverage because, at the end of the day, the Giants are in a good financial situation and. You know, it, it does behoove Saquon to play, uh, even if it is under the franchise tag. So, you know, I, I think the Giants have a very strong position from which to negotiate. And, and I think Saquon is either going to give in and, and take, you know, maybe $20 million guaranteed over two years uh, and, and get some sort of more meaningful commitment than the franchise tag or play on the franchise tag as opposed to sitting out. I, I really don't see the benefit for him in sitting out. And, and the classic example that we have from recent years with Le'Veon Bell, that didn't work out for Le'Veon Bell. He, he missed out on a year's salary, went to the Jets, who were one of the few teams interested in paying significant money for a running back, and that ended up being really the, the first major downfall of his career from that point forward. So, you know, I, I think Saquon is, is certainly understand why he feels like he deserves what he deserves. And I, no, no questioning his talent, but I just don't think he's in a great negotiating position here. So Saquon got his money. Let's, let's switch um, gears and go to somebody who did get their money. Um, and let's talk about mm-hmm. the Jets, and let's talk about Quentin Williams getting, what, four years, $96 million, $66 million guaranteed. Everything mm-hmm. seems to be copacetic there in Jetland. Um, I, I heard uh, before you said you believe that they can um, potentially finish fourth. Any belief that they can potentially win the division? Absolutely. I mean, of course you look at this roster and you say what the upside is. The defense last year was phenomenal. I think one of the best defenses in football, especially when you consider how bad the offense was and how they were being put in, in, in disadvantageous positions. Certainly you have a couple of really exciting young playmakers in Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. And then, you, of course, bring in Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, you know, his resume speaks for itself. But I think any scenario – for the Jets as possible. They could be the top seed in the AFC and, and, and win the AFC. That's not their own possibility. They could also be in last place when all the, if the defense 
isn't as healthy as it was a year ago and they were the healthiest defense in football. If the tackles are a concern, which of course they are, you're a 38-year-old on one side and you have uh, Mikhail Beckton who's played one game over the last two years on the other side. They can't protect Aaron Rodgers, who, by the way, is now working again with Nathaniel Hackett, who has been, you know, pretty bad as a play caller at the NFL level. He was good in Green Bay when he was working underneath Matt LaFleur. And then you have the receivers where Garrett Wilson, I think it's really exciting, but it takes time for young receivers to operate well with Aaron Rodgers. Um, the guys behind him, uh, Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard, Aaron Rodgers was much worse with those guys on the field last year. And Brees Hall was coming off the torn ACL. And many times you hear about running backs needing a year after the torn ACL to get back to where they were before the injury. So, if that scenario happens, then I think the Jets are the worst team in the division. But the reality is, most likely, it's going to be somewhere between those two universes. So let's let's play this game, right? Because I think you can make the case for the real case that three teams within this division is really this really I believe a three team race. Yeah, could 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 the Patriots you know step up and get DeAndre Hopkins and you know catch lightning in the bottle? Maybe, but you know we know that it is three um, franchise elite quarterbacks within this division. I'm going to throw Tua in there. Um, but they all have mm-hmm. they all have question marks. So let's just go the my Miami and just go down the line wins the division if. Yeah, Miami wins the division if Tua plays seventeen games. You know, Tua's numbers last year were phenomenal. Uh, he was the most efficient quarterback in football uh, early in the season before his injuries. And I think they need to run the football better. I think the other thing is that they, they need to run the football at a higher level than they did a year ago. I know they, they have to talk with Dalvin Cook. I think that move makes so much sense for them, given where they are and given you know how inconsistent their running game was last season. Now, what about the uh, Buffalo Bills, their Achilles Hill, with Von Miller coming off of the ACL surgery and playing without Leslie Frazier for the first time, I think, in the Sean McDermott era? Mm-hmm. Bart, you brought up the thing. It's the pass rush. You know, obviously, Gregory Rousseau is a good player, um, but they lose Tremaine Edmonds, who's one of their two starting linebackers, who's been, you know, that's been really one of the strengths of their team uh, over the last few years with McDermott. You lose Leslie Frazier, who uh, moves on from the organization. Von Miller's not 100% coming off of the injury. And the secondary is a question. I mean, they had so many injuries in the secondary last year, and the strength of that team, the really the the heart of that team for so many years has been Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde uh, at safety. Those guys are in their 30s now. You know, there's no guarantee they're going to be healthy and, and playing at the same level they have in years past. So, you know, I, I think on paper, very exciting team. I think the best team in the division, you know, top to bottom on paper, but injuries are a legitimate concern. Aging's a legitimate concern. You know, I think they really were a team where they were peaking to try and win a Super Bowl last year, and I don't know if their roster is better this year than it was a year ago. Now, if you look at the Patriots and the lack of success post-Tom Brady era, they bring in Bill O'Brien. Mm-hmm. If the Patriots finish fourth in this division, could we start seeing calls for Bill Belichick to, to step down either as the general manager or as the head coach and maybe bring in a different voice uh, to try and get the Patriots over the, over the top, being that Tua is a young quarterback, and if he can stay healthy, mm-hmm. his career should be long. Aaron Rodgers, I believe, is here for two years, and Josh Allen is a young star that should have another 10 years in his belt. Yeah, I, you know, I, I would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if there's calls for his job, 
I would be surprised if they made a move with Bill Belichick. To me, I, I think about that organization and I look at the coaching staff there and everyone there is either a person who played for Bill Belichick, who coached for Bill Belichick, or who was one of Bill Belichick's children. And that is a very exclusive club to be part of the coaching staff in New England. And throughout this year, of course, with Scott Patricia and Joe Judge, you replaced them with Bill O'Brien as your offensive coordinator. And I think Bill O'Brien's going to be a major upgrade for that. I think he's a, a, a very good offensive coach. And, you know, just like being a, sort of like the Jet situation where you're replacing uh, Zach Wilson, who was not up to the task of being quarterback, with Aaron Rodgers, who, even if he's not the guy he was from years past, is still going to be good and that's a major upgrade. I think it's the same thing with offensive coordinator, where it's two guys who are not qualified for their job with replacing him with a guy who is qualified at worst to be an offensive coordinator. But I think if they struggle, I think if they finish last, if they don't show any signs of progress, I think if you're Robert Kraft, you have to go to the Belichick and say, hey, listen, you know, I'm not going to get rid of you, but we have to get some fresh blood in this organization. We have to get some people who are going to, you know, expose us to different elements of football. We're going to progress this offense forward because, you know, over the last few years, that has not necessarily been the case. And I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I think every great coach brings in people from outside their organization. Nick Saban is the classic example of it in Alabama. Um, you know, Belichick may have to bring in an offensive coordinator or an offensive play caller who comes from a different style of offense or uh, a different school of thought. You know, I, I feel like that is a more likely possibility to me than Belichick moving on altogether. Well, I'm, I'm going to say this, right? Be careful who you hire because if the offense looks good yeah. but the team still loses, Bill O'Brien has a decent record as a uh, as a coach in his league and could be the type of guy that has the connection with, with Robert Kraft that can be the successor to Bill Belichick and they push him up into the uh, upper room, which would be just mm-hmm. general. Yeah, and Rod Mayo too. I mean, Rod Mayo's been a very exciting defensive coach, I think. You know, if he doesn't get a head coaching job in New England, he's going to be a head coach somewhere else one day. Uh, Bill, let's end on this. What do you think is more likely? Uh, Saquon Barkley and the Giants coming to a deal before uh, before training camp or the Jets winning the AFC East? <laughs> Classic. Classic comparison. And they're getting Dalvin Cook, too, by the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, they should. They should. I, I would love that move to get – to, to not only keep him away from the Dolphins, but also to protect Brees Hall early in the season as he's recovering from a point ACL, would love to see them go after Dalvin Cook. I think that makes total sense to me. Because I think they're all in the next couple of years. You, you can't be saving money. There's, you're not saving for tomorrow when you have Aaron Rodgers. You're, you're in it to win it right now. So I will go Jets winning the division because I think the Saquon situation is going to be the franchise tag. I would be very, very surprised if he signed a long-term deal, it would take some major capitulation. Easier to believe the Jets have everything go right and they win the AFC. Again, Bill Barnwell joining Bart Scott and and me uh, earlier last week, uh, talking about Saquon Barkley and, of course, the Jets as well. Um, I know we've spent a lot of time talking about the Giants and Saquon Barkley. When we come back, I also I want to share with you, I said I, I've got a, uh, not only do I have a list of the top 10 running backs that I shared with you, where Saquon Barkley came in for, um, uh, Nick Chubb came in first, C-Mac came in second, but also I've got a list of the top 10 tight ends. Where does Darren Waller fall in that? And let's talk 
the Jets. Win total over under nine and a half as we get closer to training camps opening up. Uh, 800-919-3776. Nina Marks with you, 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. I want to remind you, enter the ESPN New York no-hitter sweepstakes for your chance to win $25,000. Find the no-hitter tile on the ESPN New York app. Pick a team. Submit your entry. Today's qualifier is Patrick. Oh, I'm going to butcher this name, dude. Uh, Trupiano? You guys think I got it? Looks right. Uh, From Smithtown, New York, who's chosen New York's National League team uh, to throw a no-hitter today. Presented by MoheganSunCasino.com. For full contest rules, go to ESPNNewYork.com. Eating a little uh, leftover Thai food from last night right now. What's, what's, What's the best leftover food from the previous night because this isn't half bad it's masaman curry so i'm i've so of course a lot of people obviously you know you get the next day the next day pizza a lot of people like the lasagna a lot of people feel that chili is better the next day what's the best leftover food you guys think well i'm gonna give you a hot take and i do have an i do have an answer for this question Mm-hmm. And it might be the one of the two exceptions to what I'm about to say. I'm not a big fan of leftover food. It just for what some mean, reason not a big fan of for some reason it just doesn't like sit well with me for whatever reason. Like I I don't know. I just don't like the taste of like leftover food in general. I don't know why that's the case with me, but generally I try and avoid uh leftover food. I try and eat everything that's on the table as much as possible so that way I don't have to uh think about the next day. Um, however, again, the exception to the rule, chicken parm. I had that the, uh, like last week leftover. It was spectacular. So, I mean, and, and we're in agreement here that there are some foods, even though you are, uh, anti leftover, there are some foods that actually taste better on the second day. Yes. There's a few Joe, do you agree? As a lover of leftovers, I do agree. And... Partially because I am partial to Thanksgiving, the oh. the Black Friday waking up from the, the night after or the, the night before, that like garbage plate that you throw together at, at 11 a.m. on Black Friday, is undefeated. Undefeated. Um. 
yeah, I, I'm just I'm pleasantly surprised here as I uh, I I consume my leftover masa mom curry from last night during the break. All right, as I promised, uh, we shared with you the top ten running backs uh, on the ESPN.com column. Let's take a look at the top ten tight ends on the ESPN.com column. Um, Daniel Knox at ten. Might surprise some folks. By the way, he does play for the Buffalo Bills, in case you didn't know. Pat Fryermuth from the Pittsburgh Steelers at nine. That might be surprising. Evan Ingram. Heard of that name before? I think so. Used to play here for the Giants. Boy, he went to he went to Jacksonville and exploded. Did he not? Goes to show you just how horrific the coaches were here in New York. Kyle Pitts. So 10, 9, 8, 7. So Kyle Pitts comes in at 7. It's a shame. If Kyle Pitts played for a different offense, dude be a stud, a star. Arguably, maybe in the conversation is the number one tight end drafted. But because he plays for the Atlanta Falcons, who all they do is run the football because they don't have a quarterback to throw the ball, Kyle Pitts is sitting at 7. At 6, TJ Hawkinson. Um... At five, Darren Waller. So Giants, Giants fans, Darren Waller comes in at five, and I'm gonna read, I'm gonna read the clip for him. Waller's on-field presence is undisputed. He's elite when he's out there, but missing 14 games of the past two years has hurt his rankings. Yet he still ranks third in receptions at 280 and yards. At 3,394 among tight ends since 2019. He can take a game over at any point. His 12 games with 100 receiving yards since 2019 only trails Travis Kelsey among tight ends. Um, so there's that. Darren Waller comes in at five. Uh, at four, Dallas Goddard. At three, Mark Andrews. At two... George Kittle, and at one, Travis Kelsey. No surprises there, right? Kelsey, Kittle, Andrews, Goddard, Waller. So, again, I, I just I feel so bad for, for Pitts. It's just a shame. He was a better offense. Boy, dude would be a, a, a stud, an absolute stud. All right, quick break. We come back. Uh, let's switch gears. Let's talk about the Jets. Over-under win total is nine and a half. Also, uh, we'll bring you up to, sport, to score on what's going on at Wimbledon. Uh, Carlos is, uh, Alcaraz is giving the Joker a run for his money. This is epic TV. It truly is. Uh, we'll give you an update when we get back. Right here on 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. 
How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Given Ryan Reynolds a shout out. He said his gin is serenaded by Sarah McLaughlin. Hopefully uh, it's serenaded uh, with that song, uh, my favorite Sarah McLaughlin song. Uh, I saw her one day or one night at MSG. Um, not sure what's going on with her. She's not, at least I, I haven't seen any type of performances or, or live performances available. Uh, and she hasn't really come out with any new music lately, which is a shame because she's just absolutely magnificent. Uh, it's Sunday, Funday on 98.7 ESPN, presented by Grand Marnier. Grand Marnier makes cocktails from ordinary or unforgettable uh, to unforgettable, adding a layer of sophistication into some of the world's most well-loved cocktails. Uh, so there's that. In the break, uh, Joe is saying that he loves gin. Um, I, I, th- there are certain cocktails. It's hit or miss with me. There's certain has to be like a really outstanding cocktail for me to drink gin because gin makes me do um, uh, crazy things. So you're not gin is that that gin is that one adult beverage that like who um, just brings something out of me that no other uh, adult beverage does. So you don't cut your martinis with gin instead of vodka. No, I'm a, I'm I'm a vodka I'm a vodka martini gal. But again, I I I I, I will not stray away from gin cocktails. Uh, they just they they just they have to be yummy. Understood. I, you know, personally, I think a gin and tonic is top notch. That's your go-to drink? Absolutely. Okay. Well, then, um, hopefully, you work for the station. Hopefully, you know, you could get your hands on, um, listen, Ryan Reynolds is, is, is fantastic. Uh, aviation gin. Hopefully, you could get your hands. Contact our sales department. Make sure they send you a bottle, dude. Then we could really talk about it on the air. Uh, let's go to Brian in West Palm Beach. Brian, welcome in. Good morning. Indeed, I enjoyed so much. I I grew up in Long Island. I played baseball for Florida State. I enjoyed your interview with the the Yankee minor leaguer, and that, I've been preaching that for for years. When you when he Ben Ruda he told you about it, yeah, because he, mm-hmm. what he basically was saying is that his. The analytics department of the minor league operations of the Yankees, the, their data didn't go with with the, with the, with his average, his OPS, because he said he hit 300 and he was hitting, he, he was getting on base with walks and things like that. But the analytical the analytics department for the Yankees, which I disagree with, that's why I'm glad that Sean Casey became the bat the batting coach because the person who was who was there before uh, Dylan, whatever his name was, was reading was reading uh, 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 analytical notes from the analytical 
analytics department, and basically I spoke to some people with the Yankees. These people came from Harvard and Yale and Princeton. They never played baseball, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They're turning baseball into like a computer game, you know what I'm saying? So I enjoyed that 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 uh, interview a lot, and I thought it was really interesting because I had talked to people on your station and other stations about the too much analytics in baseball now. Yeah, and, and appreciate the phone call, Ryan. Um, for folks out there who uh, who weren't listening yesterday, we had Ben Ruta on the program. Uh, that interview is up on podcast form on my Twitter site, at Anita Marks, also 98.7 ESPN, that Twitter site as well. Uh, ben Ruta, former Yankee minor leaguer, uh, spent a little bit, I like to call it a cup of coffee, uh, a few times uh, up in the bigs, but spent the majority of his career down in the minors and, uh, and joined us on the show yesterday to talk about the, the, the change, Lawson out, uh, Sean Casey in, and, um, and shared some really eye-opening, uh, really interesting um, uh, information pertaining to the minor league system. At one point in time, when uh, prior to 2018, uh, the Yankees minor league system had over 40 coaches who had Major League Baseball experience. Typically, any team in Major League Baseball, their coaching staff in the minors, you're lucky if you get anywhere between to 10 to 15 dudes that have Major League Baseball experience. At that point in time, prior to 2018, the Yankees had 40. After Lawson was hired and Reese came in and, and they really changed things up, they hired a bunch of brainiacs from NASA and, uh, and, and all these Ivy League schools to come in. And at one point in time, they only had three coaches with Major League Baseball experience. And Ben Ruta feels that this is a really big reason why the Yankees have struggled uh, not being able to, to produce a homegrown talent, especially in the lineup. So some really, really interesting insight from Ben Ruta. And, uh, and, and you know, even though the information that he provided uh, was pretty shocking and eye-opening and pretty disappointing, if you are a Yankee fan, at the end of the day, uh, he's thrilled with the hire of Sean Casey, and uh, and and now the next step is uh, not just what he'll do in the clubhouse right now with the guys that are in the bigs, but also the changes. Hopefully, that will be made. He used the word minions um, that will hopefully exit and bring in some real Major League Baseball coaches with real Major League Baseball experience to go back to the way it was prior to two eight two two thousand eighteen. Really, really good interview. Again, if you missed it, listen to it. It's up on podcast form, 98.7 ESPN, and, of course, Anita Marks uh, at, on Twitter, at Anita Marks. Uh, like, like Brian said, a really, really, really good interview with Ben Ruda. All right, uh, quick break. We come back uh, right now at Wimbledon, the gentleman's final. Uh, Djokovic did win the first set 6-1. Uh, Carlos Alcaraz won the second set, 7-6. Right now they are in the third set, and uh, Carlos is up 3-1, and he's about to go up 4-1. Carlos Alcaraz giving Djokovic a run for his money. Uh, the Joker trying to win his 24th Grand Slam. This is epic TV. This is phenomenal tennis. And um, on, a, on a rainy Sunday fun day, what else are you going to do? Right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Can you guys whistle? Yes, I can. You can? Yes, I can. I've always wanted to do that wolf with that, you know, where you put your like two fingers in your mouth and you go shh, I can't like really loud. No. I can't do that. I one, can't no. do it. I can't. I am the worst. I am the worst whistler. 
Yeah, I, I cannot do that either. That is not an acquired skill that I have. So if there was a cutie patootie walking by and I want to go, like, it just, it would, it would, it would die. I would not look cool at all. Maybe, maybe instead of doing that, you can hold up a neon sign that says, uh, like, hello or something <laughs> like that. Like in big flashing yeah, because, letters. Yeah, because that's what I do, Tom. I walk around with neon signs all the time. Why wouldn't you? You're so you you're you you here you know what you're really funny but like in a very in a very like um subtle non-expecting way. Has anyone said that to you? I've heard that once or twice. Yeah? Are you are you like are you the comedian of your your friend group? I try to be but most of the time it's just uh epic fails on my part probably. <laughs> I think you're funny dude. Uh, by the way, uh, when uh, Wimbledon, when this gentleman's final started, you could have gotten Carlos Alcaraz at plus 190. I said jump on it. He's minus 175 right now. Why? Uh, Djokovic won the first set. Carlos won the second set. And right now in the third set, he is up 3-1. 3-1 in the third set. If you still think that Djokovic is going to come back, how about this? Get the best in the world, possibly on the planet, ever in the history, on grass at Wimbledon at plus 150 right now. If you still have faith in the Joker. Um, so uh, this, is, uh, this, is, this is really awesome stuff. Uh, what's going on today? Really not a lot. Um, I booked my indoor pickleball courts because the shops over at American Dream are closed. Dumb. Um... <laughs> You know what it reminds me of? Remember Pretty Woman? Did you guys ever see? You guys probably weren't born when Pretty Woman came out. Did you guys ever see the movie Pretty Woman Unfortun with Julia Roberts? Unfortunately, I have not. That's, that's just, I don't even know. I don't know what I'm more disappointed at. That you've never seen Pretty Woman or that the shops at American Dream are closed today. Uh, there's this great scene in, in, um, in Pretty Woman where, uh, uh, what's his name? American Gigolo. What's his name? The, the main actor in it. Uh, Rob Schneider? No. The guy who played American Gigolo, who I'm sure you guys weren't born when that movie came out either. You're, um, you're talking about Richard, Richard Gere? Richard Gere. Richard Gere gives her his credit card and says, here, go shopping, treat yourself, buy something nice. I want to take you to this nice event. And so she goes to Rodeo Drive and she's trying to shop at Rodeo Drive and she walks in and, and the, the women in there that are, you know, work at the shops are like, Ugh. No, these shops aren't for you. Like, get out of here. Shoo, shoo. Don't, you can't, you're not welcome here. You can't shop here. So she goes somewhere else. She spends like, I don't know, fifty, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 on a bunch of new clothes and shoes. And she gets her hair did and her makeup done. She, now she looks like a million bucks. As if Julia Roberts ever did not look like a million bucks, even not spending any money. And, um, and she comes back in and she opens the door to the shops on Rodeo Drive. And she's like, ah, uh -huh. she shows all her bags. And she's like, mistake, huge, huge, epic mistake. Because they wouldn't take her, his credit card. Anyway, uh, it was, it's a classic scene. Uh, and shame on you, Tom. Uh, it's a rainy day. That's what you should do. You should go home and you should watch Pretty Woman once, of course, Wimbledon is over. Uh, but nonetheless, um, not sure what everybody's doing. Uh, Wimbledon is going on right now. Again, they are uh, in the third set. Uh, Carlos is up 3-1. And uh, look like he's going to go up 4-1 momentarily. Meanwhile, we've got some baseball to be played. 
For the Mets, they're hosting, well, actually, no game today, right? Uh, didn't you say it's, it's postponed early? Wasn't that breaking news that uh, you shared with us, Tom? No, it got moved. It's postponed? To, it got uh, moved to 510 today, I believe. I, I'll pull up the tweet again so that way I can get the exact uh, message across. So I guess, I guess they're expecting this horrible weather to, to, to clear up a little bit by then is that what's going on that's what i think although the forecast i think calls for rain possibly throughout the evening but again the mets official twitter account put out this tweet at 9:53 this morning today's game has been moved to 5:10 due to weather gates will open at 3:10 parking lots will open at 2:10 all tickets for the originally scheduled 140 start will be good for tonight's game okay so postponed till later tonight i still like the dodgers to win they've won six straight they're looking to sweep the Mets. The Mets have only been able to score one run in this series. Um, and uh, Max Scherzer, his K rate down the season to 27%. Meanwhile, Bobby Miller, who's going to be pitching for the Dodgers, his, his K rate is up. This might be my favorite bet today, and that's over four and a half strikeouts for Bobby Miller in the Dodgers today. So there's that. Uh, so I'm playing the Dodgers on the money line. Also, I'm liking the I'm liking the New York Yankees on the run line. I don't normally play the run line. Every now and then I do. I'll do it today with the Yankees at minus 135. Garrett Cole, great at Coors Field, 14 and five when starting, uh, and uh, and and definitely uh, has been obviously stellar this season. Chase Anderson, who's on the bump for the Rockies, not so stellar. 6.89 ERA, but get this. His last six starts. I'm sorry. His last, is it four? Is it four starts? His last four starts. I need to read my handwriting. His last four starts, he's sporting an 18.23 ERA. Can you imagine the amount of money he's getting paid for an 18.23 ERA in his last four starts? Wow. Can we all be that horrific at our jobs and make millions of dollars? Oh, it's unbelievable. Uh, I also, I'm on the Orioles on the money line. They're going up against Miami. And I'm also on the Arizona Diamondbacks on the run line against Toronto. I think this is the bounce back game for them considering they've lost the first two against Toronto. So that's how I'm playing some Major League Baseball today. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. Uh, Tom and Joe, always great working with you on a Sunday. Enjoy the rest of Wimbledon. I'm back tomorrow afternoon with Bart Scott in for Alan Hahn. Tomorrow and Thursday, Larry Hardesty joins me next right here on 98.7 ESPN.